Welcome to episode 136 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of What, When, Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay, Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and jinstevens.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, or even a glass of wine, <laughs> if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Hi friends, I'm about to tell you how to get three pounds of organic chicken thighs, two pounds of grass-fed, grass-finished ground beef, or one pound of premium grass-fed, grass-finished steak tips, all for free, plus $20 off. That's right, we're talking pounds of meat, for free, plus $20 off. Friends, I love meat and seafood. My favorite way to get it is ButcherBox. It has been for years, and it's one of those things where I just sort of become more and more obsessed the more I use it. Especially with all the greenwashing that's going on today with meat and seafood, there's a lack of transparency, it can be hard to know what you're actually getting, and it can be expensive. ButcherBox addresses all of that. By directly partnering with farmers and fishermen, ButcherBox cuts out the middleman of the grocery store and directly delivers delicious meat and seafood straight to your door. And they have the highest standards. Their salmon, for example, is wild caught. Their beef is 100% grass fed and 100% grass finished. Their chicken is free range and organic, and it all tastes delicious. I love their chicken, love their meat, love their seafood. They have amazing scallops as well. And you can really find the collection of food that you want that works for you and your family. They have curated boxes, so you can get exactly what you want as fresh as possible because yes, meat and seafood that is immediately frozen is fresher than meat that is waiting out and never frozen. That's because it's frozen at its peak of freshness. It's funny because people kind of think it would be the opposite. Like, oh, I need never frozen meat and seafood. No, 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 no. You want frozen. You want meat and seafood that was immediately frozen and then shipped to you, which is what ButcherBox does. I eat a lot of steak at restaurants. ButcherBox's fillets are divine, way better than anything I would get at a restaurant. Their other cuts are amazing as well. With their seafood, I know I can trust them that I'm actually getting what they say because yes, there is a lot of scams in the seafood industry and their chicken also tastes amazing. It's free range and organic and tastes delicious. With ButcherBox, you don't have to worry about what's for dinner and ButcherBox has an incredible offer for our audience. You can have your choice of a weeknight meal essential for free in every order for a whole year. Just go to butcherbox.com slash ifpodcast and use ifpodcast to choose either three pounds of organic chicken thighs, two pounds of grass-fed, grass-finished ground beef, or one pound of grass-fed, grass-finished premium steak tips plus $20 off. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash ifpodcast and use code ifpodcast to choose your free offer and get that $20 off. Butcherbox.com slash ifpodcast with code ifpodcast. And we'll put all this information in the show notes.
One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumer consumers from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean, and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed. But with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Welcome back to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Today, we have a super special episode with Matt Gallant and Wade Lightheart, who are the founders of Bioptimizers. When we recorded this episode, we initially intended for it to be one episode, <laughs> but the conversation was so fascinating and we just kept going on and on that we decided to break it up into two parts. So today's episode will be part one of that interview. The show notes for the episode will be at ifpodcast.com slash episode 136. In this episode, we dive deep into the science of the ketogenic diet and a lot of other things as well. We have a super exciting announcement, which is perfect timing for Thanksgiving and Black Friday. 
Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 136 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hi, everybody. And I am not just here with Jen Stevens. I am actually here with two other special guests. This is actually a groundbreaking episode. I think it's our first episode that we've had two guests on with us. And it's also the first episode that we have brought back a guest for the third time. So that's a lot of stuff there. We have Matt Gallant and Wade Lightheart on the podcast. Guys, thank you so much for being here. Super excited to be here. Yeah, it's a real pleasure. I love what you guys are doing in intermittent fasting. So we're excited to be back. Thanks for having us. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yes, we're thrilled to have you. So we've had Wade on the podcast twice before, and I will put a link to those episodes in the show notes. The show notes will be at ifpodcast.com slash episode 136. But in those prior episodes with Wade, we went deep into the science of digestion, the digestive process, how to fix all the issues. They were really, really fascinating conversations. Matt and Wade actually come to us. They are the founders and of the company by optimizers, which our listeners are likely very familiar with. We're super excited to have them here today to tackle a different topic from our last conversation. Today is going to be all things keto diet, ketosis, the confusions that surround that, the differences, the similarities, the the problems people may encounter. So we are really, really excited for today's episode. I'm psyched. You know, I've been doing keto for 26 years. I was in it before it got cool. And, I, and I'm happy that finally, you know, it, it is a cool thing and people are understanding the power of it because I love keto. So. so Matt, I'm just so curious, 26 years ago, what, what? how did you find keto? Was it being called keto at the time? My uncle told me I, I was chubby <laughs> and I decided I needed to lose some body fat. So I, I was looking at diets. I, I found Atkins did Atkins. I think I dropped 43 pounds in a few months. And then I started getting into bodybuilding and found a diet called the anabolic diet from uh, Dr. Moore Di Pasquale, who's a Canadian doctor. So he had more of a cyclical keto approach, which made sense to me. And I did that and built a lot of muscle mass doing that. And then I went on and off keto for many years, but now I've been on it nonstop for about four and a half. And, you know, just looking at my genetics and all these other things, I've decided this is the right diet for me psychologically, emotionally, and physiologically. But that's that's the how it all started. Yeah, I think it's fascinating that you're talking about like the diet that's right for you. Matt and Wade, you guys have two very, very different diets that you are obviously a fantastic collaboration and have a great partnership going there. Would you like to tell listeners a little, little bit about that? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm a plant-based guy. I haven't eaten flesh in almost 20 years now. And I'm not a vigilante vegan that's out there slamming people for their food choices. And, and this is, I think a lot of people find it curious that here's two guys and founders of companies who are about as far apart on the dietary polarity on the externals. And the problem is, is people mess up. They get attracted to the noise and not the signal. And 
no one gets into a diet because they want to be part of that diet. That's a surface reason. What you want to be able to establish is the optimal flow of quantities and quantities of the things that make you operate properly. You know, your hormone cascade, your neurotransmitters, your microbiome, your nervous system regulator, and, and all of the, the wonderful organs and functions that your body requires. And from that, that should be the foundation of your dietary strategy. So you build out the testing parameters with the proper advisors in your group. And in today's world, we're subjected to such an unnatural way of living. We've, over the last 150 years, with the rampant use of energy and technology, what's happened is we're living in these kind of artificial containers. We're not in sunshine. We're staring into blue screens. We're eating chemically processed monoculture foods with a variety of chemical agents that are designed to addict us into eating more than we should. And combine that with stress and nervous system burnout and the advance of digital technology, we've put all these new stressors onto the species that we don't have. Now, the, the positive side is we have all these amazing experts and tests and that you can get direct to your home so that you can actually get a snapshot of where you are right now. And this hasn't really been accessible for people for so many years. And when you have that data, now that you're using that to correlate what is your insulin response? What is your hormone cascade? What is your neurotransmitter? What's the state of your microbiome? With that data, now you're out of being attached to a particular diet philosophy and that you're more ingrained with what is the right methodology or system for me at this stage in my life? Because as we age, it changes, you know, and, and right now, I mean, I'm on this crusade right now because 70%, if you look at men today, Across the board, we're looking at a testosterone ratio at every single genetics point at 40% lower. Okay, so the average 20-year-old today has the testosterone levels of a 60-year-old man. Okay, now that has huge impacts for men, but it has huge impact for women because you know what? I bet if you pulled all your listeners and they talk about the relationships, they know their guy is not at 100%. They know they're not feeling that component. And a lot of guys don't know how to talk about it. They don't have these resources and, and the females don't know what to do and it's creating crisis at home. They're not winning out there. They're feeling bad and relationships break up and health goes down and stress and all that stuff. And so we're here to, to, to talk and mention about, hey, look, there is a way to optimize your biology. You are going to have to spend some money and do some technology, but the benefits are so great. And who cares if you're on a keto diet or you're on a vegetarian diet, just be on the diet that's right for you that's based in science and research. And, and that's where Matt and I are in alignment and that's why you have this company and so it's a universally applicable message that is so pertinent today because people are suffering needlessly and our mission is to end physical suffering and activate awesome health. And that's why we're here and we're excited to be here. I'm excited. Well, I cannot love that more just because the fact that the two of you respect that, you know, the keto diet is not the one true way and the vegetarian diet is not the one true way and that you both feel fabulous and it works for you for over 20 years. Love it. Yeah. And I think the one, there's seven keys that we believe that everybody can use and should use to biologically optimize their diet for themselves. So I can walk you through these really, really quick. And the first one is sustainability, which this is where 
the spiritual, emotional components come in. And, you know, we can maybe talk about his choice of why he is vegetarian. And a lot of it is more of a spiritual, emotional decision. And that's what matters. At the end of the day, if, if for whatever reason you, you don't feel good eating animals, then I don't, it doesn't make sense that you do. So sustainability from a spiritual perspective, as well as even a psychological perspective, really matters. Because at the end of the day, we need to be able to stick with whatever game plan that we do. The second one is lifestyle. So depending on what your lifestyle is like, that needs to be factored in. Third is genetics, you know, especially looking at nutrigenomics. And now we're getting more into the science and the data. Oh, I love it. That's one of my favorite things to talk about. <laughs> we do love that one. <laughs> yeah. And we can geek out deep there. Fourth is food allergies and food sensitivities. Because, you know, just taking out food that stresses your body is going to, of course, improve your health, improve your HRV. Fifth is your gut biome, which, of course, now we finally have tests that allow us to look at these things. Six is biofeedback, which, you know, there's a lot of different tools such as the Aura Ring. And, and I'm really excited about, obviously, more and more tools coming out to measure things. And, you know, we can throw, of course, blood work in that and hormone testing, all these things. And the seventh is the goal is your goal. So depending if your goal is to build muscle mass or burn body fat or to be a high performance athlete or a high performance entrepreneur, then you need to tweak it according to these, these different goals. So these are kind of the seven keys that we use personally to optimize our nutritional diet strategies, as well as what we use with other people, including our clients. Yeah, no, I love that so much. And that's, that's what I really think is so important because people so often think like both of you are saying, Matt and Wade, that, you know, there's one right diet and everybody needs to do this one thing. And then that's the answer when really it's so complex and so nuanced. And Jen and I know, I mean, we receive so many listener questions with diet and even with fasting, like different fasting windows work for different people. And so it really is individual. So thank goodness we have you know, all of these people like yourselves and, and your company and all of these new findings that we can really find what does suit the individual. And then also like Wade was saying, the diet that works for a person right now, you know, might not be the diet in the future. So I guess being open to change as well is super important. Yeah. And I think the other thing is to be clear that when you make a change, oftentimes, I always say there's positives and negatives to every diet. There's advantages and disadvantages to each diet strategy. And so often what times is people will make a switch from maybe they'll be a, a, a meat eating person to a vegetarian or a vegetarian person then starts to add fish in their diet and they feel better than they have. And what they do is they mistake the change as the signal. In other words, there's a period of time where the benefits of that change are going to kind of grow and expand. And then there's going to be a plateau point and then over time, some of the deficiencies within that diet are going to reveal themselves. And if you don't have specific testing on yourself or that sort of stuff, you're really just throwing darts at a dartboard. And eventually you're going to come up and you're going to come up to a, a more serious challenge. And it's not just about, you know, how long do we live is, but it's about how effective and, and how much life is in us as we as we age. I think that's a, a big factor to consider that a lot of people kind of act like they're going to live forever. And they kind of think that they're going to avoid all these big illnesses that plague the population. And the reality is, if left to your own designs, the odds of that happening are pretty low. So you've got to take action on it. And just to piggyback off what Wade said, so one side of it, 
is deficiencies. And the other one is, again, going back to food sensitivities. So a lot of times if people have, let's say they're eating whatever, and there's there's things in their diet that are not really good for them, but they switch to something like a pure plant-based diet or carnivore, a lot of times they're going to experience a big uptake in energy and, and health because they've eliminated the foods that were creating issues. So it's also, and, and also like Wade said, the deficiencies is another element. So again, let's say I am deficient in certain things and I switch and now I'm putting these things in my body. I'll typically feel better, especially like vitamin Bs and things like that. So the deficiencies is one component that people experience the benefits of a shift and a switch. And the other one too is the food sensitivities. So taking out what's what's harming you and then adding in what's nourishing you. It's so funny that you said that. I actually recently recorded an episode for my other podcast on traditional Chinese medicine. The reason I love TCM is because it has such a holistic view of the body, I feel, and a very balanced perspective. But the author I was interviewing said that exact thing that she was saying sometimes people switch to these extreme diets and they're so beneficial, at least in the short term, something like carnivore or for the individual, maybe a really strict vegan approach. Yeah. Like raw food diet. I I did that. And so there's definite benefits, but there's limitations. Exactly. And like maybe in the short term, it might have massive benefits because you're taking out what might've been harming you. Maybe you're adding in really easily accessible nutrients, but that might not be, you know, sustainable long-term. I mean, it might be for some people, but I think just, you know, being open to, you know, to change and, and finding what does suit your body at any given time. Yeah. Even, even seasonal variations. So let's take keto for an example. Like there isn't one documented culture that survives on a year round high fat diet. And that puts them in a perpetual state of ketosis. Even Inuits, right? They consume a third to half of their calories in winter and fat. It's about one seventh of their diet in the summer. And eating out of season foods actually alters glucose and fat metabolism. You know, eating cherries, for an example, out of season, there was a study and the body responded very differently in the summer than it did in the winter. It's almost your, your body knows based on sunlight, the, the UVA, UVB rays, the, how much light is going on. And of course, temperature, what time of year you're in. And, you know, we're dealing with millions of years of biological evolution that we're not going to, to change in <laughs> because we want to. So, you know, I think cycling in and out of keto, whether it's on a you know couple times a year or even on a weekly basis, to me makes a lot more sense than just staying keto all the time. And, you know, you're right in that if you eat seasonally, like your body may start to actually gravitate towards that. Like I found that true to be me for be true for me. Like in the summer, I'm wanting avocados. I'm wanting kombucha, those, those types of foods. But in the winter, I'm like, bring on the bone broth. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I live in Panama, but I'm Canadian. And I know (laughs) when I go to Canada for, for the holidays or, you know, I crave different things, right? My body temperature wants to, to stay high. So I want more teas. I want, you know, there's certain foods that warm your body up more versus in Panama. I don't really drink teas. I just crave different things. So listen to your body. I was also going to say piggybacking off that Matt and Wade, I don't know if you were familiar. I've been fascinated by the concept. You're mentioning the Inuit. They're often used as the population, like the example of 
a ketogenic diet long term or, you know, the benefits of ketosis or, you know, very drastically low carb intakes, they have like a genetic predisposition that actually prevents them from entering ketosis or generating ketones. Like they have a, a genetic tendency that affects their actually ketone metabolism. So they're often used as this example of the ketogenic diet, but, but actually they're, they're not. I've, I've been fascinated by that. I don't know if, if either of you are familiar with that. Had you heard that before? No. The one thing I have heard genetically is there's a, a gene called the Arctic mutation for fatty oxidation, CPT1A. And they found that in the liver and kidneys, it's, it's, it helps them actually import the long chain fatty acids into the mitochondria and increase the heat in the body to stay warm by directing the free fatty acids away from the liver cells to brown fat and a greater capacity for gluconeogenesis, which is, anyway, so there is a gene mutation. I didn't know what you just said, though. I haven't heard that one before. Yeah, well, that's what it is. The I just looked it up real quick. Thank you. Thank you, Uncle Google. <laughs> but yeah, the Inuit have a Arctic variant, it's called, of the CPT1A deficiency. And it's nearly universal in the Arctic, it says. Yeah, I think another thing people have to recognize is the impact of your environment. If you also look, one of the great tragedies happened when Europeans settled in North America was the proliferation of a variety of different diseases that decimated the native population because they hadn't been subjected to a lot of the things that these industrialized nations had kind of already exposed and the crowding dynamics. And so... All of these, and one of the things that I think we were mentioning is things like infections and what challenges your nervous system is under or your your immune system. Those also play an impact. If you're out in 40 below weather, you eliminate a lot of the bacteria or pathogenic creatures that can compromise people's health as well. And so people oftentimes will kind of cherry pick the data and information to kind of bolster their own bias. And that's where, you know, bringing in specific testing for you is much more effective than to kind of draw in inferences from cultures or study groups or whatever that that a person tends to go to. And I think that's one of the things that people have to be wary of is getting manipulated by data without knowing the whole picture. And the only way you know the whole picture, the only picture that really matters is your own picture. <laughs> you know, that's the one you can control. And so, you know, I think it's great to have these insights from other things, but really nothing beats getting the data on yourself. And uh, Matt has a thing, data shapes destinies, and he's, he's about as data deep as anybody gets. So, Are y'all following Tim Spector's work? He's the British gut project guy. He's doing some, some work right now. The PREDICT2 study, I think it's called, but some, some people that are in some of my Facebook support groups are signed up and doing this study. I mean, they're using, you know, thousands of people, but they're all measuring personal responses to food you know, with continuous glucose monitoring, eating certain things. It's, it's fascinating. Yeah, if I can, I can make a, a little bit of a comment on the thing. I think, I think that is phenomenal work for, for people to engage in and to get that regular testing. But it, again, it comes down to specifics. It comes down to developing what's right for your particular type at any given time and then augmenting. And one of the things about biological optimization, which we promote in our company, is that there's there's a few stages that you go through. You know, you, you clean out the bad stuff, you start adding elements 
into your body that you require. And once you get to that stage, you move to this new area. And this is where I think Matt and I are so jazzed up about and why we get so excited because we see what happens when people go down this journey, 12 months, 18 months, 24 months, where they get specifics, they get the right experts, they do this stuff, and they start biologically optimizing themselves. We're now able to switch on dormant epigenetic components or things that might not have been available. Because if you look at Darwin, it wasn't survival of the fittest that he wrote in his book. It was survival of the most adaptable. And Matt and I are testaments of two people who have polar dietary philosophies of how we get to that thing. But we could probably do relatively well if we actually, if I went on a keto diet and he went on a vegetarian diet, because we have the biological capacity. We've optimized our biology enough that we are a more adaptable version of ourselves. And as we move into this new digital age in the 21st century, where we're having a rapid explosion of all this data, infotech and biotech, is we're literally on the cusp of the emergence of a new species. And the new species is going to be superhumans. And you're either going to be on that train or you're going to be off that train. And if you're off that train, I think life could be very difficult for generations to come. And so I think as people who are on the cutting edge like you guys are, is let's start getting into that now so that we can set ourselves up for not only our generation, but the generations to come to uh, really realize full human potential, which we haven't scratched the scratch of. Wow, I love that. Yeah, the idea that we can be adaptable and change. I was going to say, you're really speaking to my heart here. Jen knows, and our listeners know, I've recently been obsessed with the work of David Sinclair. So I've been reading all about epigenetics and, you know, the potential for our genes to change and like how fast that can happen and the implications that it has. And then extending it like, you know, like we've been talking about to diet is just, I mean, it's so fascinating. And I think it's so hope inspiring for people because, you know, if if a given diet isn't working for somebody or if somebody feels like they're stuck in a rut with diet, there's so much potential to, you know, make change to, to find the diet that will serve you. So yeah, there's definitely lots of hope. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a very passionate transhumanist, which for those of you that have never heard that before, it means the belief that, you know, the human race can evolve beyond its current physical and mental limitations, especially using science and technologies. And, you know, we can kind of look at it from three levels. The first one is, is biomodulators, which you know, exercise supplements and biohacking tech all fall into that. So everybody here that considers themselves a biohacker or even using supplement, you're really going above and beyond what is quote unquote natural to modulate, to tweak, to optimize your body. And, you know, what Wade said is, yeah, if if you don't have the genetics, there are tools, which we'll, we'll get into in a minute, for example, on keto that will help you adapt and function better on keto. And same thing is for every diet. And then the second level is like bio enhancers, which we can throw hormones and peptides and stem cells. And then the third level, which is really here now, which is mind blowing is the biotransformers like gene editing, biocybernetics, and nanotechnology. But the gene editing is right here right, right now. If you know, I don't know if you've watched the new Netflix documentary called uh, Unnatural it's incredible. And like literally like you can go online, buy a CRISPR kit and start editing your genes, which is a little bit scary. I'm not going to be the first guy in line, but I'm, I'm really excited because ultimately that to me is going to blow everything out of the water. Well, I just wrote that down. Unnatural on Netflix. 
yeah, it's, it's a natural something. I forget it. But yeah, it was to me, it's one of the most exciting things going on. But the point is what we is, and I are saying is that, you know, we have more tools in the toolbox to biologically optimize your body, again, based on what you want to do, what your goals are. And, and, you know, what we look at is three things, you know, the aesthetics, how you look, the performance side, physical and mental. And the third side is the health. And I think all three are important. I think we all want to look good, feel great and, and be healthy. So we're trying to create tools, protocols, products, et cetera, et cetera, education that helps people move all three sides of the triangle. Hi friends, I'm about to tell you how to get an exclusive discount on one of my favorite products for truly upgrading your health on a cellular level. So the new year is upon us and it's often a time where people are really trying to instill new habits and really upgrade their health. There's something I have been using for years, not just at the new year, Literally every single day of my life, I am not making that up. Even when I travel, I have a way to address it then, which I will tell you about. And it's something that is so easy and feels amazing. That is red light and near infrared therapy. Okay, so friends, you could go somewhere and pay a lot of money to do red light near infrared therapy sessions, or you could just bring it to your home and use it every single day. That's what I do. I've been using Juve red and near infrared light therapy devices for so long. There are so many clinically proven benefits of red light therapy. That includes improving your skin. Yes, you really will notice it. Faster muscle recovery, reduced pain and inflammation, enhanced sleep, and so much more. I use it in the morning and evening as ambient light because it actually mimics the setting and rising sun. And then I sort of run it throughout the day as well to help combat all of the blue light that we're exposed to, which can have a negative effect on our health. Whenever I have muscle pain, I shine Juve on the muscle. For me, it has made the pain go away instantly. And then for chronic pain, when I do continued sessions, it's made it dissipate. One of my good friends who is a doctor uses these devices on his, shall we say, manhood for benefits there. Yes, it can help in that department as well. I honestly could not imagine my life without Juve. You will just feel so good using these devices. People also post all the time in our Facebook group of their pets gravitating towards the Juve because intuitively they just know that it's good for them. The reason Juve can address so many things related to health is because it actually affects our cells on the mitochondrial level. Basically, it makes those cells perform better. And when those cells are performing better, everything just works better. That's why, yes, Juve can help with your energy as well. I've been recommending Juve specifically for years because the quality of their devices are are the best. Their modular design allows for a variety of setup options to give you flexibility. The treatments are so easy. You can do them in as little as 10 minutes, or you can be using it all throughout the day like I do. All you have to do is relax and let your body take in the light. They also have their Juve Go, which you can travel with. Yes, that is how I really do use this every single day. That Go is also great for targeting specific areas of your body, like hurting joints or sore muscles. Honestly, friends, health doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be complicated. If you're looking to enhance your health and wellness this new year, start with what matters, which is your cells. And Juve has an amazing offer just for our audience. You can go to juve.com slash ifpodcast and use the coupon code ifpodcast to get a discount on your qualifying order. Again, that's j-o-o-v-v.com forward slash ifpodcast to get an exclusive discount on your order. Pick up a Juve today. Some exclusions apply. I really hope you guys can experience Juve. It really is one of my favorite things. And we'll put all this information in the show notes. All right, now back to the show. So I guess to 
jump into the whole the whole keto thing. Well, first of all, I just want to sit, throw it out there. I think one of the biggest, greatest biohacks is something like intermittent fasting. <laughs> just throwing it out there. Playing with when you're eating can have... Well, you know, it gets you aesthetics, performance, and health. Just like, <laughs> just like we were just saying, right? And then the, the epigenetic changes from it are just profound. Activating, you know, sirtuins and things that typically would require intense stressors or calorie restriction. I think a lot of people can get, you know, just with properly implemented intermittent fasting. And then, but one of the things that we talk about a lot, obviously on this podcast is ketosis and entering ketosis from intermittent fasting. What are the differences in A, entering ketosis, B, being in ketosis from something like fasting versus from a ketogenic diet? Is it completely the same type of ketosis? Is it different? What does that look like? To me, there's four levels of fat adaptation. First level is like the first two weeks, which is can be pretty rough for people, but there's some easy hacks that you can easily feel good doing that which is really either using ketone salts. There's a lot of different supplements out there that has ketone salts in it or ketone esters or even using MCT oil. That's a good time to kind of do a bulletproof coffee, which is, you know, fat and butter and MCT. So you're basically giving your body ketones because to be technically nutritional ketosis, you need to be about 0.5 millimoles in your blood. So if you're, if you're at 0.5, technically you're in ketosis. But again, there's different levels of fat adapted. So the first one is the first two weeks. And after that, people typically feel a lot better and they have more energy. The second level is around three months. And at that point, what I notice is people can eat carbs for a day and come back and relatively rapidly go back into ketosis. The third level is around a year. And that's where people that work out really hard can perform very close or if not at the same level that they could on carbs. Okay. It's like that's, that's people that are really more of a explosive type athletes working out really, you know, weightlifting, sprinting, you know, sports type of performance. And then the fourth level, which I kind of noticed that about a year ago. And then I saw research around this recently that validated this, this opinion, which is that your body actually holds on to glucose in the muscle. So in other words, like even if I cut carbs and I'm working out, my body's actually holding on to glucose in the muscle and using ketones instead. So I've hit that level probably about six months ago, which is kind of interesting because I can tell because I'm cyclical, which means I carb load one day a week and then I fast and do keto for six days. I can tell how much glycogen my muscles have, right? And, you know, I can see if I'm flat, if I'm full, if I'm in the middle. And I just noticed that I just stay a lot fuller than I used to, despite the fact that I'm doing the same thing. So again, fat adapted just means how efficient and effective are you at burning fat. And one of the signs that you're really well fat adapted is if you carb load for a day and you measure your ketones the next day, are you still in ketosis? And for me, I am like, I'll still be at 0.5 on a Monday, even if I ate like five, 600 grams of carbs on a Sunday. So that's a good blood signal that you can look at to see how fat adapted you are. So I do have a few follow-up questions there. So to clarify that fat adaptation transition and period that you're talking about, that is 
from going on to a ketogenic diet, correct? Yeah, or fasting. Again, if you're 0.5 millimoles, they call that nutritional ketosis. So now there is different effects. Obviously, if you're fasting and you're in ketosis, then you've got autophagy happening, you got fat loss happening. Versus if I'm eating a lot of fat and let's just say I'm at maintenance, then I'm not going to be getting, let's say, the autophagy benefits or the fat loss benefits. So the effects are different in terms of am I getting ketosis through fasting or through, you know, just eating a lot of fat. But does that answer your question? Yeah. And actually we have like a a question that speaks to that. For example, Christine emailed us. Her subject was keto fasting and ketosis. She said, she said, hello, ladies, love the show. She said she'd been listening for a few months and have been IF for about, about that long as well. So about two months. She said she was hoping that we could clear up some confusion. How is it that if you are in a fasted state, anything, including adding cream in your coffee could break ketosis, but in the keto diet, you stay in ketosis while eating. I was under the impression that ketosis can only occur under a fasted state. So I think I think that's something that people get a little bit confused about. You know, is there like a baseline ketosis that goes on perpetually when you're on a ketogenic diet, or are you dipping in and out? And then yeah, the, the difference compared to fasting. So um, I think there's just a lot of confusion surrounding it. <laughs> And wouldn't it be like where your body is making the ketones from? Like if you're fasting, it's it's getting your stored body fat versus now you have cream in your coffee, it's going to make them from that. Correct. Now, obviously, as soon as food hits your liver, typically autophagy stops. So now there are certain things that seem to enhance it, like black coffee is okay if you're doing IF or teas. But yeah, so again, it's more of the autophagy that changes versus the ketosis. Now, if you're eating protein, like I've I've measured my blood ketone levels constantly. I don't do it as much anymore, but I I did it for a long time to see the patterns. So if you're eating a lot of protein, let's say even a steak, right? There's fat there, but there is a lot of protein. You might actually drop down a little bit. And if I'm eating, for example, pork, which has a lot of fat, then my ketones will actually go up. So depending what types of fats you're eating, I found that like for me personally, animal saturated fats like duck, lamb, pork, ribeyes tend to increase my ketones and certain other things that are not as fatty or even not saturated fats might even drop. But it's important not to worry too much about that. Again, if you're at 0.5, you're okay. You know, and the thing that happens too, as you get more fat adapted is that your ketones will actually drop because it doesn't mean you're making less ketones. It means that you're burning them more efficiently, more effectively. It's like you're, you know, really, if you're talking about what fat adapted means, it means that you're more effective and efficient at burning these ketones for energy. I'm so glad that you brought that up because that is just a real sticking point for a lot of people who have been doing intermittent fasting for a long time. And, you know, we know we're getting into ketosis during the fast because we we know the signs of being fat adapted and maybe people would measure high ketones early on. And then even if they're using like a blood meter, they're like, wait, I'm no longer, you know, quote, getting into ketosis because my numbers are down and they're like, I'm just going to have to fast longer and longer and longer to get into ketosis. We're like, no, that's not what it means. You're just more efficiently using the ketones that you're producing. Exactly. 
Yeah, my, my advice is don't chase ketones. I mean, I, again, as, as long as you're 0.5, you're you're golden. And you know, one of the ways you can really measure how fat adapted you are is to take ketone esters and then measure like every hour your ketones. So like I've done as much as 60 grams of ketone esters. And by the way, ketone esters are several times stronger than the salts. And like my body will just burn them up relatively fast just because I've been on ketos for so long. Fascinating. Yeah. So hopefully I'll, I'll put in these, um, hopefully this address these two listener questions that we got just so these listeners will know that we heard your question. There's actually another Christine. I know the last question was from Christine. This is a different Christine that she had written in, said that she loved the podcast, but she wanted to know what is the difference between being in ketosis and just being fat adapted, if any, hoping for some clarification. So hopefully that provided some clarification, Christine. And then Amanda had also written in, these all have very similar titles. Hers was ketosis versus fat adapted. And she had said she also wanted to know the clarifying, everybody uses this word clarifying, clarifying the similarities and differences of being in ketosis versus being in a fat adapted state. She was thinking that they were two different things, but she was seeing people using them interchangeably. But they can be, right? Like for an example, like I'm fat adapted, but let's just say I eat carbs for two days. I'll, I'll technically still be fat adapted because in my opinion, when you're really fat adapted, that's a deep epigenetic change that probably stays with you for life. That's my opinion because I've, I've coached a lot of people on keto. And like the first time somebody goes through the fat adaptation process is the most difficult. But what I've noticed is, you know, let's say somebody does keto for six months, they become fat adapted. Let's just say they get off keto, but for whatever reason, they go back on, then they get back into ketosis much more rapidly and much more smoothly than they did the first time because they're fat adapted, because the epigenetic changes have happened. Would you say that's a similar idea to the, fr- I mean, it's really the same thing as being metabolically flexible. Correct. To me, that's the definition of metabolic flexibility is the ability to go back and forth from either using glucose or ketones with zero or very little negative consequences. And it's easy. Your body just does it. You don't have to suffer through. You just Your body just says, here we are. Yeah. And I think that's one of the benefits of doing cyclical keto. So I'll just explain kind of what I do on a weekly basis. I'll do keto for six days and I, I, I fast, I eat one meal a day. And then I'd, I'd like to sit to fast 60 hours a week before I carb load, which is, which means from Thursday night to Sunday morning, I'm like, I won't eat. Like I'm not going to eat today. I'm not going to eat tomorrow. And then on Sundays I'll eat usually like five, 6,000 calories, I'll, most of it carbs. And there's a lot of benefits to, first of all, the carbs, from a performance standpoint. And there's a lot of benefits in increasing calories as well, you know, resetting leptin levels. And so if you're losing a lot of body fat, you know, there's a lot of survival mechanisms that kick in. And, you know, Wade's gone through these, I've gone through these. One of them is is hunger. And I'm not talking about like being hungry for a meal. I'm talking about being hungry for two years. That happened to me when I got married last time. <laughs> and, you know, I, I dieted really hard and I'd been losing weight already for a couple of years. And I just kind of pushed myself past the safety point. Because again, your body's got one mandate, which is to survive. So as soon as our body f- feels threatened, it's going to start triggering all these different survival mechanisms, which include 
increasing ghrelin, which is your hunger hormone, dropping leptin, which of course directly affects your metabolism. So as soon as your metabolism downregulates, now you start getting in trouble. And as a trainer, you know, but when I was, were trainers, I had clients come in after really low calorie diets for a long period of time. And then you have to reverse diet them out of that, which takes a long time. And you have to try to get their metabolism back to a normal state because they've just dieted their way down to a very low metabolic rate. So again, all of these negative consequences happen. Now, that's one of the benefits of increasing calories whether, and again, I like doing it one day a week, that works for me, but there was a great research study that came out about last year where they took two groups, one group dieted nonstop for 12 weeks, the other group would go two weeks on and then two weeks at maintenance and go back and forth. The group that cycled back and forth had no drop in metabolic rate after the dieting and they lost the same amount of body fat. And this is also why alternate daily fasting is such a great strategy where you have the up days and the down days because especially people who have dieted a long, long time may have a slowed metabolic rate. They try to do time-restricted eating with a daily eating window and find they're not losing weight. So we recommend that they then try the up and down day format where you're having a down day. Maybe that's a 36 or 42-hour full fast. Then the next day, unrestricted eating. And, and we're not talking eat one meal a day. On that day, we're talking eat two meals, eat three meals, unrestricted. And that boost helps your, your metabolism recover. Hi, friends. Now, if you're anything like me, you love biohacking, intermittent fasting, and getting feedback and data on what our bodies are doing. Now, when we do intermittent fasting or extended or prolonged fasting, it's hard to get feedback sometimes on how our bodies are doing in terms of fat burning and ketosis. This is one of the reasons that I created the Tone Device, which is a breath ketone analyzer. It can tell you the rate of fat burning your body is in by detecting the ketones on your breath. If you practice intermittent fasting, time-restricted eating, do an occasional 24-hour fast like once a week, or prolonged or extended fasting, it's likely your body is getting into light ketosis. If you are doing keto or low-carb, even sometimes paleo, you may be getting into a deeper state of fat burning and ketosis. If you do a high-carb diet, then you probably get into a light state of ketosis after some fasting. What I love about the tone is that you can simply breathe into it for about four to five seconds, and it will give you instant feedback on the rate of fat burning that your body is at. Now, when we are in ketosis, our bodies are at their highest rate of fat burning, which is what is so neat. We actually breathe out our fat. So the carbons that we are measuring with the tone device are actually coming from our fat. When we practice different approaches like intermittent fasting or doing time-restricted eating, lower-carb diets or keto approaches, our bodies actually make a metabolic switch where fat becomes our primary fuel. And the body takes fat and converts it into ketones in the liver. About 15 to 20% of those circulating ketones are then diffused through our lungs, out in our breath. And it is so amazing. I absolutely love using the tone every single day. I love the biofeedback, especially when I am doing any kind of fasting. And I can see my body gradually get into a deeper and deeper state of fat burning through those ketone levels going higher and higher. Now, one of the reasons I created the tone is because testing blood ketones 
is cost prohibitive. The test strips are extremely expensive. They are wasteful. You no longer have to buy test strips anymore. You can just breathe into the tone device for four to five seconds and get that instant feedback. It's a one-time investment and you'll be able to test an unlimited amount of times. Now, I always recommend testing with the tone device fasted first thing in the morning and testing up until you have your first meal of the day and you will be able to see differences there, especially if you do a longer fast, you'll see the ketones go higher and higher and it really is so great to get that biofeedback. Now, for the past year and a half, I've been working on a brand new version of the tone, the second generation tone device, and I am so excited for it to soon be available to you all. I wanted to create a special launch discount for the Tone device so that any of you who are interested can take advantage of that discount. I've never discounted the Tone device before, but if you are signed up to the exclusive VIP list, you will receive that launch discount. To sign up for the list, you can go to tonedevice.com and enter your name and email address and you will receive an email which you can confirm to double opt-in and you'll be the first to know when the new second generation tone device is available to order and you will also receive that exclusive launch discount. I am so excited for you all to try it so be sure to go and sign up at tonedevice.com. All right now back to our show. Yeah. And then to that point, there was that recent study that Jen and I discussed at length on a recent episode, that cell metabolism study in August that was looking at ADF and it found, you know, it had, it, it was basically like two separate studies. They were, they looked at like a six month group and then they did a, a follow up for, I think, do you remember Jen? It was like three or six months. It was, I mean, it was a good amount of time. Yeah. But in any case, they found that those practicing the ADF with weekly 36 hour fasts experienced no, well, A, experienced amazing health benefits and changes in their, their markers, but they did not experience any reduced energy or reduced metabolism. So yeah, I think that is so important to keep in mind. And I also think that's one reason that with intermittent fasting, it can be so beneficial. And, you know, people are so worried about their metabolism slowing, but I think a lot of people can respond so well to to intermittent fasting, even on like a a daily type basis, because they never even have to necessarily enter a state of calorie deprivation while still building their, their fat burning metabolism, their metabolic flexibility. I did want to ask you, Matt, you, you mentioned something that I have been wondering like so much and trying to find the answer to, and you said it, it was just a theory for you at this moment, but you're mentioning the idea that once we do become fat adapted or metabolically flexible, that it's less likely that we would like lose that ability in our cells. I was just wondering if you could, yeah, if if you had any other more thoughts on that, because that's something I've been wondering, like once you are fat adapted, metabolically flexible, do the the mitochondria retain that memory for life? Or do you think that, you know, the chain, a dietary change could make such a difference in how the cells are generating energy that they you know, it's like they forget how to use one fuel source or one fuel source or another. And then also I wonder if, if a person never quite reaches metabolic flexibility or state of it, is there a potential danger 
to, you know, people talk about like dirty keto or like flirting with keto, like not quite committing to it completely and kind of like bouncing back and forth. And I almost wonder if that's sort of dangerous because you're, you're entering this state where encouraging you perhaps a high fat consumption. But then if you never reach that point where your cells are becoming adept at using fat, at using ketones and then bouncing back and forth too much, I wonder if you would just create, you know, more, more oxidative stress or more inflammation in the process if you never quite like kick it in. Does does that make sense? No, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. I think the worst place to be is like no man's land. So in my opinion, you're either, you know, going for keto, which is going to be, again, probably 50% to 70, 80% fat. And then again, low carb one to 5% max, depending again, how fat adapted you are, or, you know, you can eat more carbs, and increase your protein and then probably keep your fats relatively low, which I would say like, like Wade, for an example, is a great example of this. You know, Wade probably keeps his fats between 15 to 25%. So if you're going to be carb-based, that's really what you want to do. And in my opinion, cranking up your fats and not being in ketosis is not a good place to be. And of course, you can do blood work and look at your triglycerides and see, are they elevated? Because that's going to be one of the signs is that you're you're accumulating triglycerides in your blood and you're not burning them. You're not processing them. And this, going back to kind of optimizing keto for you, you know, I'll just give you an example of a personal one, which for me was coconut oil which of course is very highly touted and very strongly promoted. When I, I got my uh, blood work done about like you know two years ago and my triglycerides were pretty high. And I just kind of thought it was probably the coconut oil, did some muscle testing and a bunch of things. That's what we found. And then I cut out coconut oil for the most part and my triglycerides you know dropped to 95. So you know, you have to look at these things as well, not to go off your question, but the point is that I think once you're fat adapted, your ability to get back into ketosis gets better. Now, what part, how is that happening? I don't know, but let's kind of walk through the whole ketone energy process from a kind of a high level perspective. So you eat fats or you're fasting, which means your body's going to break fats down. Now, the point is you want fatty acids, So let's just use a food example. So you eat, you know, steak, meat, whatever, you got fat. Your body has to break these down into fatty acids using lipase, which is an enzyme that breaks fat into fatty acids, and bile. So your body's going to produce bile and it helps emulsify the fats. And then the lipase will, will help cleave the fats into fatty acids. Then you need to transport those fatty acids into your cells, into your mitochondria, into your liver. That's where L-carnitine is very helpful. Then your mitochondria has to burn that. So that's like how we design Capex is that we have the lipase and the dandelion root, which stimulates bile, which helps you break the food down to more fatty acids. Then the L-carnitine transports that into the mitochondria. Then we rev up the first, we make the mitochondria stronger with CoQ10, and we also rev it up, especially the liver, the mitochondria in the liver using seven keto DHEA, which is different than than DHEA, and using another ingredient called InnoSlim, which activates uh, AMPK, GLUT4, all these different very powerful 
pathways, which again, you're increasing the rate at which you're burning the fatty acids into your mitochondria. And the result is you have way more energy. So a couple stories, when we got the samples of Capex, I took five capsules at 3 p.m. And I didn't sleep for, like it took me two or three hours to fall asleep. Usually it takes me 20 minutes. Decided to recreate that experiment a few days later. Same thing, according to my ordering. It took two hours and 55 minutes to fall asleep. And again, usually I fall asleep, no problem. So my point is, if you're going to take Capex, take it in the morning. But it's like eight, 12 hours of really clean energy. And if you take it with food, then you're going to be able to digest food better and break it down. Because some people that have issues with keto is because they're either not producing enough enzymes, specifically lipase. It could be protease as well, which is the one that breaks down protein, or they're not producing enough bile. So any kind of digestive distress often comes from that, either the constipation or just bloating and gas or, or heaviness. So we've solved that with Capex and it'll also enhance fat loss. Now we're not going to make crazy promises, but you know, a lot of these ingredients have been shown to increase or, or increase metabolism to, to a certain degree and at least prevent it from downregulating like it normally would. And so some clarification about using Capex. So it sounds like it, it can be great for supporting somebody on a ketogenic diet taken, you know, with food or in the fasted state. Would it also benefit somebody not following a ketogenic diet, but perhaps doing an intermittent fasting type protocol, still taking it in the fasted state? Yeah, maybe Wade, you can talk about your experience with, with Capex. Yeah, so I will. So one of the, the the big challenges that I had for my own self was I didn't metabolize fats very well. I just always had struggled getting into my diet. I just never felt great on it. And with the four-part lipase, so there's different lipases that breaks down different fats. With that, those ingredients, first off, what I noticed, if I increased my fat intake to a certain level, what would happen is I'd start to see like oil in my stool. So I knew my body wasn't metabolizing it. And so when I added the Capex, it didn't, that, that changed almost right off the bat. So that was interesting as a kind of an antidote of my own personal thing because I just didn't metabolize fats that well. Second thing was I take it first thing in the morning instead of coffee, you know, so I burnt myself out on coffee years ago and, uh, you know, I had to do a lot of things to kind of recover from that. So I, I have to be conscientious about my caffeine consumption, but here is a way that I could access that kind of energy and focus boost without having the stimulant component. So it's a very different feeling. You're just kind of awake and aware and focused and not like stimulated. It's a very different feeling. So I use that literally every day. I take a four caps first thing in the morning. It's awesome. I just really, really like it. And then it's opened up a new possibility for me because, uh, you know, that's, that's something that's part of biological optimization. Okay, here's what is, but how can I augment it? And we were able to do that with that product. And, and one note too, on, on just fasting and autophagy, in our opinion, and again, we know a lot of very advanced doctors that are using this protocol is to use enzymes while you're fasting. And something Wade and I've been doing for years, and we're not going to make any crazy claims here, but I know there's anti certain cancer doctors that use a high dose proteolytic enzyme protocol in conjunction with fasting. And, you know, Wade, maybe you can talk a little bit about that because, you know, in Capex, we do have 
the same enzyme blend as in Masszymes, just a little bit of a lower dose. But those enzymes will also help clean house, both, first of all, in your intestinal tract. And if you're taking an empty stomach, they'll also go into your bloodstream. And one of the things that does cause aging, and that's one of the reasons why fasting is so good, is protein agglomeration in the cells and protein in the bloodstream. There's a great book called The Longevity Code where they talk about the current belief is what kills super centenarians, which are the people that live, you know, 100, 110, is actually protein accumulation in the cells. So by taking something like a proteolytic enzyme on an empty stomach, where it goes into the bloodstream and cleans house, you can, in our opinion, enhance autophagy. So Wade, maybe talk about your experience because you've done a lot of kind of extensive fasting with uh, high dose enzymes. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember that everything discussed on the show is not medical advice. We're not doctors. You can also check out our other podcasts, Intermittent Fasting Stories and the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. Theme music was composed by Leland Cox. See you next week.